Today's show is sponsored by Quip. Purchase your new Quip electric toothbrush today and get your first refill pack for free. Just visit getquip.com slash badchristian. Today's show is also sponsored by tripping.com. Save more on your vacation rental when you book with tripping.com. Head over to tripping.com slash badchristian today. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hey, yo. Joey Svensson. Yo, yo. Hey, yo. Matt Carter. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. Welcome to the yeah. show. Toby called yeah. me this morning, first thing, while I was eating breakfast with the kids and trying to make them get ready, and answered the phone, of course, because why wouldn't I? And then yep. I was <laughs> sharp, sharply rebuked by my wife. like, you're going to talk to him later. But anyway, Toby didn't get to tell me what he was trying to tell me. So go ahead now. Go for it, we'll Toby. just spend airtime on it instead of breakfast time with my kids. Well, Please fellas, do, Toby. I want to do... I do want to listen, but I would like to know if you had to... Hey, Reba, you, can you turn down the nasolator? <laughs> turn it down a little bit. Nasolator turning down. Okay. I'm, there's a really good potential that I'm going to be a bus driver. <laughs> for what? The school <laughs> remember, I can't remember if it was the uh, bonus episodes that we do for those BC clubbers and we love doing, uh, or it was a regular episode, but I talked about how I think if the band doesn't work out <laughs> after decades... <laughs> That's really funny to say. What if I have to say in when I'm 56? Yeah, the band didn't work out. <laughs> we gave it I gotta a shot. It wouldn't be career. a true statement. <laughs> it, it just didn't work out. I thought it was going to go forever. Didn't work out like I planned. Um, but ACB is getting one of those bandwagons. What's ACB? And, uh, uh, oh, As Cities Burn. They're going on tour. They're back together, and it's going to be very fun. It's kind of like a little Midwest tour to ramp up, and I, they're doing all kinds of cool stuff over there. But uh, I was talking with Aaron, and I was like, huh, you know what? I could probably do that run, and I'm, I'm good at driving. That'd be kind of fun to see, test it. What if I wasn't playing music or anything, and I was just a driver? And so I'm, that's what I was trying to call you this morning and talk about. I was trying to figure out, I always like to run ideas by Matt and, and get him to make me realize uh, if I'm asking too little or too much money. <laughs> so you want to know go, how much money is a good idea or not for you to be the bus right. driver for SCs. But I imagine they're getting a bandwagon. And so yes. you're going to work crew. So there's a lot of things to think through on it. I know. But, and there's some long drives. There are a few pretty bad drives. And just I, a you know, I don't like driving premise. at night. Can you imagine if, I mean, you know, in theory, not to, you know, split hairs, but Technically, right. Emory's a, a, a bit of a bigger band than As Cities Burn. Can you imagine if the next bus driver on our tour that we hired on the crew was the lead singer of a bigger band than us? <laughs> and he was just the bus driver, and that was it. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just Spencer Chamberlain it, <laughs> yeah, just coming out to do the, from under, I was coming out Shane to Shane from Silverstein. Hey, guys. Right. Shane from Silverstein <laughs> is the bus driver on our next tour, and he's just going to, you know, work hard and sleep during the day and do his, do his <laughs> blue collar. Well, that, I think that's to my credit. Nothing. I don't, I don't think there's any, I mean, there's some bad jobs and tough jobs, but I don't think I'm too good for them or whatever, and I think I can do something. So I, I like the idea of, I don't know if it's going to totally happen, but it sounds kind of fun. And either way, it'd be real fun if I'm at the shows. Maybe some of y'all listening can come out to them because obviously ACB is a good band. But um, so the things that you either need to way think they're going to be on tour are first of all, 
it, certainly there's a this is pretty much only a money consideration, right? Because it's you don't right. get anything out of it other than the money, and maybe it's fun, but you'll have to be well, away Emory from your family. Well, Emory isn't touring so. again until June, right? Uh, you know, uh, well, I'm I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, till end of May, June or whatever. So I was like, well, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I can do the podcast and all that stuff, and we'll be in towns early enough that I can still do the podcast. I, I probably getting out of my house office even will help me do more work. So overall, it seems like, and I'll be with my friends. Well, yeah. And and Andy from Andy Nichols that played bass for Emory is going to play bass for uh, ACB on this tour because Stephen Keach can't go; he's having a kid. Well, that so fun. it's like all my best buds. So you so need sounds- so a professional bus driver's rate is two hundred. I mean, basically the way I do everything is I just think of I just estimate stuff and I practice estimating all the time. So right. for instance, every time I've ever gone to any store, grocery store, Home Depot, anything, I never think about the money. I mean, I get whatever I'm going to get. I don't count in my head. And then as I approach the counter, I give myself five seconds to come up with the total of what I think it will be. And then yeah. I like to be within 20% always with my estimations. And I practice on everything. Anytime I'm walking around and I have something that I can think about, I try to make myself give an impulsive response, think about three seconds, and then, you know, find out That's if I'm right, right or not. And over time, I'm very good at estimating and projecting and stuff. Right. But in, and w- one of the techniques I use there is to go over as far as I can until it sounds wrong and then go under as far as I can until it sounds wrong, and then I'll choose the middle. That's my quick tactic of estimation. So let's employ it here. That's pretty good. Okay. And, no, we, and there's outside knowledge. Anything you have counts because it's your experience and All you're right. the person estimating. But me, in this case, a real bus driver, I do know, a professional bus driver that drives a big rig – Wherever around, they're they're right. getting about two hundred bucks a day before overdrives and special fees and stuff like that. Then they right. get their hotel room paid for and all that. But their cut is two hundred dollars a day, which is fourteen hundred dollars a week. That's right. what a normal bus driver gets. It's a quite a good gig, really, if you think about yeah, it. It is. I think that's good pay. Um, and so there's no way you should get that much money because it's right. not as hard of a job and not as much responsibility, and you are not as qualified. Technically, even though I think you're very good at it. So thank you. Then the thing you want to say, how high could you get and how low could you get? So too low would be less than half of that. Right. And technically, we're starting off with the bus driver's real rate at being too high anyway. So there's no way you could get that. So the highest you could get would, you know, if I push the upper limit of it, 150 a day. And if I push the lower limit of it, fifty a day, you should get about a hundred a day. Um, but I think you can get more than that. So I think the the it's the number's going to lie just north of a hundred dollars a day is what I would think. Okay, that's the real wrong. value. I don't know if that's now, worth it. Now, to I really you hope or not, that they don't listen to this. Price is. I hope they don't listen to this episode because Lunsford, <laughs> Lunsford has driven, as you know. What was the the band that Lunsford drove for one day? Mudvayne. Band it was Mudvayne's yeah, side Mudvayne. project. A uh, a. Bandwagon driver gets about seven fifty a week, mm-hmm. right? That's so, well, good. that's about a hundred dollars a day. I guess yeah. you're right. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah, a hair more than seven. You know, yeah. So you should ask so, for one twenty five a day. Is what that's what I would tell you is the actual value. Is that worth it to you? I don't know. Maybe they they're dumb and will pay more. There's all those other factors, but I and put this a, value maybe at friendship one hundred to one twenty five a day. Well, uh, okay. So thank you for your help. Joey, do you have any input? Like what I should ask for? How much would a pastor ask them for? Uh, well, you have to consider the time uh, that you can't pay attention to your phone while you're driving because there's people that constantly need you. And that, gosh, that's got to be like $25, uh, $50 an hour. 
yeah. extra that you have to think through. And then time away from your family. Like if you're a pastor, you have to have a healthy family life. If you don't have a family life, how in the hell are you going to take care of a flock? So right. away from your family, that's got to be like another $100. And then just the fact that you're a pastor, you're qualified way more qualified to do anything better than anybody else right? Uh, just because you're a pastor. So that's probably another $100. So I would cut people a deal and say like $300. $300 a day. Yeah. that's a, And that's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I like, you know, I'm stopping going to Matt and I'm going to Pastor Joey mm-hmm. Svensson now on for my financial needs. That's kind you of how you're, you're not talking. a pastor. You must have you're done. Not a, yeah, but no, you're, you're a missionary. A I mean, if you're spreading the message like Jamie Wright, <laughs> if you're doing missions, you can ask for whatever. I mean, it's fine. If right. they give it to you, then good. I want it. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to ask for whatever. Okay. Second thing with this, uh, my second popcorn, just popping it, popping. Wait, wait, what did they that, make you? I'm asking, did they make you? I mean, what are you going to, we didn't get uh, through this at all. Is that about, worth it to you? Are they going to pay that much? I mean, it seems too high for them to pay and low for you. I was to thinking take. being gone for a week would be probably, you know, eleven, twelve hundred dollars probably maybe like $1,200. That'd be 120 a day. Because I'll be gone for like a week and a half or something like that. Yeah. So, so it's worth it to it's you about at what you said. Yeah. About what you said, about 125 a day or something like that. Um, but I'm thinking like around twelve hundred dollars. What I'm going to ask for, because I'll be gone for a whole more than a week, almost two weeks yeah. with everything. Yeah, and the pressure of it and having to drive nights and stuff. It's hard. Let so. me try to clear up something that gets thrown around about me that okay. is not entirely true or not okay. true at all, actually. And that is, people like to assume or say things about me about me or negotiating or money. I'm just good at it. I'm not. I not unfair at it. The number okay. I just told you is the right number. Yeah. It's not yeah. that. That's not a strategy to be a taker from somebody. Right. And the right. and I've, I'm able to do that. I'm able to get people at low prices for things. But I don't do that to people that I I might negotiate hard with Comcast. Yeah. But people that I intend to work with, have relationships with, the number has to be the right number. That to be a good at negotiating is to be able to find the right number that makes both people happy and motivated. So you, yeah. there's many times when I want people to make more money than than I could get them for because I want them to be held to a higher standard or feel encouraged and stuff like that. So true. You sound a little defensive, like I, you've been. Well, I've been accused of things you. before. I think I have the very best possible way that people can clean their teeth. I mean, and, and you know what's funny about this? I, I'm talking about Quip toothbrushes here. I use mine every day and I love it. And I'm I, now I'm going to get more for my family because I've been using it for a while now. And every time I brush my teeth when they're around, they just think it's so cool and it looks so awesome. They love it. And it is, I just really like the way it makes my teeth feel, my mouth feel, my gums feel, everything about it. Seriously, I use this toothbrush exclusively and I love it. So when it comes to your health, brushing your teeth is literally one of the most important parts of your day. And Quip knows that. They've combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush. And once again, just like a lot of the uh, products and sponsors that we talk about here, I never think about a toothbrush. I just go, okay, we'll go to the store, get one. And that, you know, toothbrushes are toothbrushes. I really can feel the difference. I can see the difference. Everything about my teeth and my, you know, dental hygiene is way better. And Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of those bulkier traditional electric bu- brushes. And I'm not kidding. Uh, you get those other ones, and it takes up your whole palm of your hand. This one's sleek, awesome. It looks good. 
It's amazing. And guiding pulses alert you to when to switch sides, making brushing the right amount of, of effortless. And that's true. It'll stop for a second. You go, oh, okay, I've been brushing here this amount of time. Oh, I've been brushing here. This, and you can just keep right on moving through. It is so cool. I feel like I'm just so excited about it, but I love this toothbrush. Quip is backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. And most toothbrushes don't get named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the year. But Quip did. Seriously, you need to find out for yourself why. So Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash badchristian right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash badchristian. And that's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Dot com slash bad Christian. Okay. Uh, I want, I, oh, let me, I wanted to tell y'all something real quick. Okay. We're going to go it's, loop back into more interpersonal. Nope. nope. Um, something that I am extremely embarrassed of, but I, I thought to myself, I mean, this is how podcast changes your life. You, you look at something, you're like, I get, I mean, if we really mean what we say on our podcast, and I got to share this with Matt and Toby and our, uh, tens of thousands of listeners, or I think it's up to tens of just, millions whatever. now. But listen to this. I'm looking at my premarital counseling notes that I used to use four years ago. So this is four measly years ago, and I, I'm honestly a little uh, a little scared to say this, but listen to, the, I, I highlighted these five lines because I, ha- I had to share them. So Male role to lead, in parentheses, submission. Now, take into consideration that there's a lot more context in the conversation, but I'm not going to explain that context. I'm going to read it as is on this paper, and it is horrible. So number two, so this is uh, when we talk to the husband and wife about dual careers and, and dual ministry. Second line is, male takes responsibility like Jesus did, and I use the example of God coming to the Garden of Eden and saying, Adam, where are you, instead of Eve. Now listen to this. Women come on board into their husbands' lives. Figure out before you get married whether or not you can support his endeavors. Oh, God. And then after that, it gets worse. Are you passionate about something? Figure out whether or not he can live <laughs> with that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And Keep going. This is the this, you told I mean, this people is, this. You use this, this. You told you this told is Driscollized, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. this is this is when all I did was listen to Mark Driscoll and everything. This is this is the worst. And again, there's way more context, but I'm going to read as is on the sheet. Females protect your husbands by in parentheses putting out. <laughs> oh my god, Joey. is that not? Insane. Okay. And I'm I'm sorry. You, you guys can throw rocks all you want. No, no I'm not gonna I throw rocks at you. We're gonna guarantee we're gonna you four you years here. ago, y'all yeah, were course, in the same vicinity. A lot of people do. A lot of people still do. Now, now now keep in mind that almost every single couple that I've done premarital counseling for came out on the other end being like, Man, mm. you, you, you and I'm just this is this sounds like an ego, and it probably is. But man, you just do this so well. Thank you for asking the tough questions. No one came out of there disappointed or like, man, you're a male chauvinist pig, the asshole. This is ridiculous. Now, part of it is because I, what I read to you on here is not what I articulated directly. Like I knew how to get around, but these are the main points. That's the way that you have that I was aiming for, and you just. 
the counseling that I do now for premarital for the same situations is just from another planet now. Yeah. I mean, I will seriously, when it comes to, when I get on this part, I will seriously ask them, how do you view marriage and leadership and all that? Because I want to know what you guys think, and then I can we can talk about it from where you guys stand. But then, obviously, if it is from a very chauvinistic perspective, then I'll challenge that a little bit. But typically, most of the couples are more of a no. I mean, we're we're both smart. We both have gifts and skills, and so we we right. see it as a as a team effort. So then, okay, I so will challenge. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just want to say, first of all, I think it is the absolute right thing, and I would say brave thing for you to to, to do this on the show. And it is the only thing to do because you'd be crazy not. To, it'd be wrong not to do it. But of course, that's crazy to do so it's I, one of the most scariest moments well of, don't worry the about the podcast well, I, and that I includes have your back on it not because those are good more points. scary than me telling about my penis anguish <laughs> well i i applaud you for being willing to share for sharing that because no matter what when i hear that right now if i heard that there was a pastor out there and those were his notes i would say what an asshole what yeah, a right. fucking douchebag chauvinist that's what i would think about that guy now also four years ago I would have given. I don't know that I'd wrote your notes or had that, but four years ago, I'd have had very. I would have said, "Yeah, that's about. That's good. That's good." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had ten years of training of saying that that was good, and I thought it was good. And there may be some truth to it or good things in there somewhere that I don't even know how to deal with. But all I know is that sounds really horrible and kind of scary now because yeah. you actually did that with a lot of people. So even when you realize later that oh. You know, there's just so many things when you get indoctrinated, and it is indoctrination to some degree, religious yes. indoctrination that you are a part of there. No matter what, even when you untangle it in your head and go, oh, I don't believe that anymore, there's tons of layers of connections that your brain's already made that you don't realize that you need to unmake, which is the right. really scary part about about stuff like that. But you have to be able to admit it like you have and say, this is what I thought, and I've changed, and I'm moving on, and I'm progressing. It, uh, that's a good thing. And here, and here, this is exactly why. And uh, Preston Sprinkle, who we love and appreciate his point of view a lot, and have him on here. This we had a long conversation about this, and I and I had to stand my ground. I was like, dude, this is why because he he still values discipleship, and I I totally understand that, and I and I can't intellectualize myself through Jesus's words when he says go and make disciples. But when it comes to our house church, for instance. I just cannot think of discipleship in a way of me and like uh, my wife and two other really spiritually sound people are going to help move along spiritually the other people that are not far uh, enough along because of this shit right here. Because it's too dangerous. That I talked about four years ago. Yeah, like mm -hmm. who who am I to say where I'm at right now is where you need to is be. And so what I'm teaching you is what you need to accept and acquire and teach to others. My theological whim is. is the new foundation for your permanent marriage. Yes, right. I can't do that. That's, that's why we are always set up right. to uh, whatever anyone says or teaches or reflects or whatever, it is open to discussion, open to debate, to open challenge, to argue. It is not something that we take Mm -hmm. and run with yeah it, it's been one of the hardest things to untangle even in my marriage what does it mean like here's what gets me right now on that is this exact topic and practicality is we used to be a complementary marriage where we thought of it i wouldn't say those terms but in the sense where the man's role is this he's the leader in, in, and 
a lot of things in, in that line of thinking that we both agreed to and thought. Now, there's another side to that, too, where, for instance, my wife likes to would also utilize that like, hey, you're the leader, so this is on you or something. Like there's that side of it too. As if I'm going to say, oh, I'm the leader, so I know what to do, then th- then that's going to work both ways, of course. So now we've totally flipped that around in, in the sense that it's like not flipped it around, but like, okay, we don't want to take that approach. It's just there's no my job and her job. We just want to look at it based on, you know, equal stuff and get the right yeah. person doing the right thing. But there are still vestiges of it. Like, there's definitely some stuff where she's just going to look at me and assume it's me because that's still in there. Like, it's still, even when you decide not to do it, there's still a bunch of stuff in there that she expects me to do that I do think is still based out of that old thinking. Yeah. But I can't turn around. I mean, it's not a very good line for me to go back and say, nope, we're equal now. You you paint the house and do the trash <laughs> or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think that we can ever shed like like you said. There are things in our head that we we just can't you know get rid of. And I and I think that I mean you guys, I'm sure y'all have experienced similar things. Like our Southern culture. Yeah, I mean too. people don't real like people in the Northwest. You'll probably your jaw will drop when you hear this. But I'll walk into my grandma's house and she wants me to sit in the seat that Grandpa used to sit in, and she wants to serve me. And she does not give Priscilla that sort of attention. Now, it she's definitely hospitable, but she sees me as automatic man of that house since I am in that house, mm-hmm. and she wants to serve me. Now, she she knows it's not out of like, oh, Joey's going to be pissed if I don't do this, of course, but that's just how she feels that she should mm-hmm. be. I talked about this with Jennifer Matthews a few weeks ago that my mom, who is a generation removed from my grandma, cannot understand why females would be in the football network broadcasting business and is annoyed by it. Like, we don't want to hear her talk about first and 13 mm-hmm. and why they should have punted instead. You know, she's just like, "That's this is crazy. And so this, like, they're never going to change those deeply rooted uh, functions. But you have, which is the interesting but, thing. And society is changing pretty fast too, which makes it easier for you to change. Like imagine how difficult it would be for you to evolve your thinking on this, if not for the culture at large doing a lot of work in the last five years too. And, and also we are looking at it from a woke or uh, in, in back, you know, looking back on it Super in retrospect. <laughs> and it, it, that's what I'm saying. I hate that word woke God, we, but that's what I, <laughs> But anybody that says, Oh Simple my gosh, that, uh, Joey's grandma feels so bad for her that she thinks the man. No, that, that was the time, just like now is. We're doing stuff right now that 30 years from now we'll think is stupid yep. and dumb. And all this. so it's not, that's the, you know, those notes you had, you were doing the best you could. That, right. that is one thing there. Like we can't immediately, like, and, and we're guilty of this. We jump on pastors and, and speakers and all kinds of stuff for, for messing up or saying something crazy or harsh but jess's mom my, my wife's mom is the same way when i when we go to her house she almost feels like it it is she did something bad if i were to help fix the food or do something like she really is just super hospitable and part of that is that's the way she was raised and part of it she's just a very hospitable and lady. she wouldn't be relieved if the feminist came in there and told her hey you don't have to do that she would think yeah. they were doing something bad to her and, right. and in a way, she would be right because she would think they're talking down to me. Yeah, like, she's free to do what she, she wants, right? Right. And that's she feels what free she to do what she wants, and that's what she wants to do. Yeah. Right. If you so told her she was, was released from those duties, she would not be excited about that. 
But let me tell you what you shouldn't be concerned about, and that is next time you have to take a vacation. And I shouldn't say have to take, get to take, need to make time for. Take your ass a vacation. Do the simple way. Go do a vacation rental with tripping.com and just do it for a weekend. I'm going. I'm doing that this tomorrow. I'm going to Portland tomorrow because uh, it's spring break for the kids. So tomorrow afternoon we're leaving. We're staying in Portland two days, coming back Saturday night. And then be home Sunday. So it'll be a nice weekend. And we do vacation rentals and we use tripping.com for stuff like that because you don't have to visit a ton of different sites. Because the average person, when they book a vacation, they go through like all these different websites to find the best deal and keep all the windows open. Tripping.com, one search, lets you compare every home from the world's top vacation rental sites in one place to find the best deal on your perfect vacation rental. Now, one of the reasons you want to do a vacation rental, because it's, I don't know, it's way better than a hotel. It's more privacy, there's more space. You know, it's for everybody. You can put your whole family or aunt and uncle in a, a room, a three-bedroom place. You can get one with a hot tub. They even have ones that are like fully stocked kitchens, if that would suit your needs. Oh, but just the fact that they have kitchens means you're not subject to having to go out, take your kids, do whatever, and go to all these restaurants the whole time you're traveling. You can go to one nice restaurant on Friday night, and then Saturday lunch, cook maybe Sunday afternoon, stay in the vacation rental, and have a big, you know, Make a big buffet that you cook in the kitchen right there, especially if you have dietary needs or allergies or anything else like that. So if you're planning spring break on the beach in Florida, tripping.com. If you're planning on going to anywhere you're planning on going, go to tripping.com. That's T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G.com. Tripping.com slash bad Christian. I'll spell it one more time. T-R-I-P-P-I-N-G.com slash bad Christian. This time of year. Um it's a great time to start booking, and you can save time and money when you book, book the vacation home of your dreams with tripping.com slash badchristian. Find your perfect vacation rental. And, and hear me out. I'm not saying it's okay to treat women that way or, or, or that to assume that a woman should fix the meals and be a submission to her husband. I, I don't think that anymore. But you're right, Joey. I used to think the same thing. I thought a husband leads the household. I can remember agreeing with the statement, uh, the reason women aren't preachers is because they're not the head of their own household. So you're going to make them the head of God's wow. household. And right. I remember going, yeah, that makes sense because yeah. that's what I was always told. So right. in a, but even if you look back at that time, I was doing the best I could. I, I wasn't intentionally, I don't think maybe I, I was unaware. I was definitely a part of some oppression to, you know, women or, or minorities or whatever it might be. Wait, Unaware when did you oppress minorities as part of <laughs> where did that oh, part? I'm, sure. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I, I'm sure we all have. I'm sure I've done here, my part. I'm sure I've done here, my part in not helping yeah. minorities gain ground on mm-hmm. being uh, equal in all aspects sure. of life, jobs, careers, all those things. I'm sure somehow I've been complicit in that. I'll, I will admit that. Sure. But what I'm saying is I don't think I'm an evil person that intentionally did that and wanted to keep women down or anything like that. I, d- I didn't. And, and it took a while for me. And I want to say one last thing. Also, there are times where I am the leader of my house and Jess wants me to be. Exactly. And, and, yep. and that's good. That's not but bad. There's, but there's times when Jessica is the leader and you want her to be. Right. 100%. Yes. Um, so that, you, that seems more complimentary, right? That's the thing I don't understand. It's comp- complimentary basically well, complimentary is just is the woman in, complimenting the man, the head. No, no, as it, just, no, to it you defines being, them as inherently different, innately different. So the man is this and the roles, woman is this, and it could be different relationship to relationship, but they are not... It is not also, it isn't right. possible for the woman to run the household in the same way that the man was, regardless of her set of skills. The man, it's the man's job. 
Right. That's complementarianism as we're as it pertains to what we're speaking about now. You know, I, I was um I was listening to the liturgist. They have back to back episodes um on sex and it's I think it's called it's actually called uh the ethics of fucking and it's actually uh some interesting stuff and not to pick on the liturgist because I'd say we do the same thing but I definitely think that and and I think all of our personalities are supposed to be different there should be people that just go after it and say this is unjust this is ridiculous um but I thought the liturgists were pretty cool because they had a a very fundamentalist type thinker and and even he had some really good points and I thought was super open minded but he definitely had a perspective of the the uh, LGBTQ community as they are that way because of fallen nature and God is going to restore all of that and if they succumb to that now they could possibly miss out on that restoration and in the same way you know people are born blind and that's because of the fallen nature and all that stuff and so uh both of the mike's reaction to that was what all of our reactions would be like man or not all of us but the three of us would be like oh that can't just it can't just be that simple it can't just be formulaic and all that stuff what i am amazed of though is how uh, my wife, I'll pick on her. I'll move off of the liturgist here, but how my wife can be so impatient and so angry mm-hmm. at those sorts of statements. And I'm like, can you not realize what Toby just said? That is what they have been taught for decades. Like this guy is in his sixties and this is the theology that he has been taught by people that he's respected, people that he's honored, people that were studied we're intellects. How are we supposed to break out of that? Have such, like, and, 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 such I, immediate and I can't even pin that on people. I, like, I don't think people are excuseless. Like, I don't think that they should be let off the hook for having, uh, you know, ways of thinking that aren't okay. But I, I, I find it hard to be angry at them as much as angry about the rhetoric and the the teaching that's compounded over okay. the years. So I understand what you're saying. You're saying that. People are too harsh on people that are not. Yeah, this is complicated because you're saying like we should be. Let, let me simplify it. We should be super angry, and I am when I watch movies that depict slavery and the unjust treatment of uh, I, I, you. I guess you would call them Africans at the time. Uh, it just it boils me. I can be moved to tears. But there is a part of me that when it comes to, and obviously this has nothing to do with um, the people that would abuse and rape and and all that stuff. But the, I guess, I don't know if they're, I'm not studied enough to know if these were, um, if this was the exception, but there are some people that treated them very well, uh, treated black people very well, uh, took care of them, even built up some relationships with them and everything but it was still wrong. But when I look at those people, I'm not as angry from a standpoint of, yeah, you are just evil and despicable. Was the slavery evil and despicable? Of course it was. But that's what they were born into. I mean, and, and I actually, um, well, it's just- Michael, Michael Gunger talked about how people that were born into Hitler's regime, what are they supposed to think? They're raised well, just look to at the follow math, this Just dictator. look at the math part of it and the rational and practical part of it. So uh, some of the stuff you're saying right now, probably people could take the wrong way. But the point being, sure. what amount of – if you had a time machine and you could go back and scold 
Thomas Jefferson, the slaveholder, or anybody else, what would you say, and how, would it work? And your impatience <laughs> nice, nice and indignation for them? What? <laughs> you said Thomas Jefferson. No, everybody loves him. You didn't pick a Southern like Whatever. plantation owner. Whoever. I'm just saying, like if you went back with your indignation to somebody and impatience with them, it wouldn't move them very much. Yeah, but Jefferson no. definitely had children with... Yeah, bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying all those things are, are, of course, bad, and they don't need to be defended even one iota. But the point is, we are doing things today that we'll, we'll be completely defenseless about in a hundred years when people look back on us, right. and we will have been doing the wrong thing. Could somebody's insistence and impatience and harshness to us about the way, for instance, we treat animals or old people or whoever knows what, is it going to move us? And the answer is not if the rest of the culture is all in the same place. It's not, there's the, the there's a mathematical problem. But there's somebody you could probably go in a time machine and talk out of a chauvinistic behavior or racist behavior. But right. for the most people, it's just going to be what the culture at large does. And then within that, and that's that's the true of you today, no matter how much you think the the these people are wrong or those people are wrong or need to be screamed at, that's not the way that they change by screaming at them. It's just the culture at large moves, and there's a lot of probability and statistics and individual things, and there's some real dynamic shit that happens. Like in the period of five years, the way a lot of people see women, the women's movement, and equality has completely shifted. You're, what you said is an example of that. And even within that wave, you are very much an outlier who remains a pastor in an evangelical church that gives biblical counseling that has completely changed his view and is willing to think about it and be dynamic even within that movement. But even that wouldn't have happened if the culture hadn't been moving as much as it has anyway. It wouldn't even be safe for you to think that way. And you wouldn't think some unsafe way. You wouldn't do it. And that's the way things you know, don't happen. It's all this bias. And I want to talk about Bill Hybels too, because I think it really applies there too. Y'all familiar with the Bill Hybels case yeah, thing well, going well, real, on? Yeah. Real quick, before you move there, like sociologically and or scientifically, what is it about our generation that is more malleable it's not, than our parents? It's not. It isn't. It isn't. It's just times. It, no, it's not. Is it what we're exposing ourselves to? No. Why, why are we changing no. in ways that our parents They are did not? change. My dad, no, they changed a ton. And they need okay. to be given credit for that in some ways. My dad, for instance, That's a good point. was the in high school was class president. During that time, they had the first ever black student come to, you know, enforce that he had to go to Burns High School. They ha- did not like it. They thought it was bad. They thought it was weird. Everything like it was not a good situation for that guy. My dad recounts it as very bad. They had the thirty-year or fifty-year reunion or whatever recently, and they tried to reach out to him to say, "Look, I mean, like them and the whole class were like, oh my gosh, these all these people that realize now when they look back at that how horrible that was, and they wanted to reach out to him and try to make amends and real that you know in thinking about this kid that was in their class and that they didn't even invite him to the early reunions and what and it's like God, they're, they're all they're all racked with what people would call white guilt now." But they, yeah, they, right. everybody who's my dad's age, 69 years old, that went to high school in the 60s or whatever it was, every one of them thinks that is wrong and hates it and feels guilty and remorseful and bad about how that whole thing went down. Yeah. So they've changed a ton. It happens. Yeah. Now, there's still, right. so, still some, many of them still today would be labeled racist people. But even those racist yeah. people have changed a ton in their lifetime. So do you. So will everybody else. 
What's particularly interesting are the outliers, the ones that change despite or ahead of or a little bit more ahead of or willing to push or break bread with other people. And, you know, that's where all the dynamic stuff is when you can really lock on something and see it and then push it forward productively. And the question being, how harsh, how much do other people want to defend bad stuff? And then how harsh, how how patient, impatient should you be with people that, you know, by the way, you just changed your view like last year. So who are you mad at this year? Like right. that gets a little bit crazy, especially when you talk about evangelical and fundamentalism and yeah, it gets pretty weird. But that really makes me think a lot about the Bill Hybel situation. Are y'all, y'all familiar yeah. with it? We just, did we discuss it yeah. before, didn't we? Yeah, we have. And at that point, there was really zero resolution and a, very few conclusions. Whereas now, I think how it has concluded itself is that he is stepping down uh, based on the fact that he's saying he is a distraction. Uh, the accusers, who are very well-respected people in, in the church community, are not backing off of their claims at all. And so, you know, people at Willow Creek, honestly, are just in shock, like, uh, and and they've got to be thinking, okay, if he's willing to step down because he's a distraction. Now, mind you, he was already going to step down in October, and it had nothing to do with any of this stuff. He was resigning. And interestingly enough, a woman was going to take his place, which is unprecedented in contemporary in megachurch church, yeah. culture for a woman to take over as Not as the preaching pastor, pastor though. <laughs> she What's that? The, she wasn't going to be the preaching pastor. She was going to be the head pastor, but not the preaching pastor. It's I mean, still- in charge is still, that's a big deal. Um, but yeah. So anyway, he is he is officially stepping down. And uh, I, I think some more details that came out that I didn't know of beforehand was that uh, apparently, I think it was 20 years ago, in a hotel room, he not only kissed, but also caressed a woman's tummy, which <laughs> I found... <laughs> Found pretty interesting. And there's other stories um, that fit a pattern that people that came forward with similar stuff, right? Yeah. 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 And and I and I talked to uh an, another well respected pastor um that's kind of in this this group of of folks, uh pastor click or whatever, and he definitely says, Yeah, I really respect these people who are making these accusations. So for those of you not familiar with the situation or all these people, it's not a bunch of nut jobs saying, Oh, we're just gonna take yeah. this guy down. These are really respectable people. Well, as it pertains to our conversation, let's talk about the way that biased, uh, you know, motivated, reasoned people respond to stuff like this. Cause this is the, the way that people decide to act and deal with things these days actually seems to be the most important thing. And that might be what's different than the previous generations and ours. If there is something, it's that now everybody has the platform, the microphone, the activism, the voice, they, I'm, you know, call out outrage, whatever, this whole thing, that's all just connectivity and information sharing. And so the way we decide to use our biases and reasoning and who we'd go after don't or who we're, nice to or complimentary to or who we give breaks to these things seem to matter now in a way they didn't seem to matter as much previously so it's definitely worth thinking about but i found an article about the willow creek thing and it has uh, a bunch of ways that people respond to this and it like names them and labels them and i find it very useful because that you can apply this to everything so i'm not so much criticizing bill hybels here because i think we did that on the previous episode and i think it's good that he stepped down i don't think he looks very good here so i'm good with that now how should christians and people on the internet and commenters and all these people respond um and how do we help think clearly about this but uh 
here's some examples of bad reactions or ones that seem to be irrational or, or not good. But uh, a lot of the comments that followed on the internet were things like, Willow Creek changed my life, therefore these accusations must be lies. Yeah. Right? So we could right, see yeah. how, that, I mean, you can see how you would have that reaction, though. Like, I did that with Mars Hill. It's like, well, that may be this and that may be this, but my experience is this church is good. I met my wife, I do things, do right. stuff. So, but clearly that doesn't stack up against a victim, the fact that right. what didn't happen to me and other good things did happen. So that one is, you know, we see that all the time and stuff. Another one is uh, spiritual discernment is more important than investigation or logic. Y'all seen that one, that type of thinking before? Oh my gosh. Please tell me that's not a smart person. <laughs> or well, I'm just saying these are the that comments that. That, that kind of predominate the thing. And it's like, it, this one says, praying for you and your entire family. One of my gifts, this, this is a real comment somebody made. One of my gifts is discernment of spirit. And the Holy Spirit has never given me any inclination that Pastor Bill has been anything but godly. Well, that's assuming that you are hearing perfectly from the Holy Spirit as a finite self-announced person that has more discernment than logic, oh reasoning, or investigation or evidence. You know, that, yeah. and that's common. But, but that's once not again, a surprising the reason comment, those people think that is because the church told them to think that way. That's right. what's so bizarre about it. That that right. all these churches are preaching the Holy Spirit. If you tap into it, He's going to give you honesty and truth and all this stuff. And so you learned all that from this guy who you think is a good guy that you see once a week, maybe a few times. Here and there, extra uh, during the month or something like that. And so, why would you believe somebody that you don't get to hear from the pulpit with a microphone? Here's another yeah. one. I mean, I'm don't. very sad about what is happening to you in your life, and feel that you have always demonstrated that you are a godly man, and that these allegations should not be taken seriously. <laughs> I, <laughs> they I should not uh, be taken seriously. The alle- even the allegations, yeah. because you, I yeah. know you to be a godly man. Well, I, I also saw where someone said that this is a direct negative Losing result there, of the Me Too movement. What's that? What? So, sorry, gonna we, you we lost out. You so try over. it again, or I'm gonna. Well, somebody else will talk instead of you. But try it again. Oh, gotcha. I was just gonna say that I saw also where someone said this is in direct result a direct result of the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and that he is an old man. A poor old man that got taken out. Yeah. Like basically right. he's a victim and how unfortunate. Here he is, a, a guy that did so much in ministry, and now he's an old dude that's gonna have to live with this for the rest of his life. I just want people to recognize these, but here's I'm not saying these people are bad. I'm saying this is the way you think. This is the way I think. This is the way people think about shit. I've been through it, I've done it. Pay attention. These are your reasoning flaws too. So I just want to get it out there the way people think the other another one is i don't like the manner in which the victims and accusers um are coming forward so let's focus on that instead of what it is that they're saying and this happened a lot at mars hill it was like oh that person just shouldn't have put that on a blog you mean the true thing that the bad guy did i mean like okay well maybe maybe shouldn't have anyway that's very much not the same level of discretion of you know uh Bad thing. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? There's not the same le- level of discretion, indiscretion that the uh, offensive act was in the first place. The manner in which the person brought it up. So that one happens all the time. And then yeah. we start getting to these ones that drive me real crazy, which are the no matter what, don't think about anything because we're on team church. So it's either right. team church or not team church or whatever that would be. And those are the ones that are like, 
can't we all just get along? This, there's too much controversy. People need to just be chill and like accepting of one another. And abusers and the people they abuse, I suppose, is what you're saying there. But anyway, right. we just want everybody to get along because it's important to have unity. That sounds bad. Yeah. Toby, I think what's interesting about you and all of this is it really seems like early on in Bad Christian, this sort of stuff would just set you off. You'd be on fire. You would you would hardly have control in the conversation, and it was always highlights of Bad Christian episodes, whereas you, you have to just be desensitized <laughs> because you don't react that way anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, I think the thing, Matt, you touched on this, but it, it is true. We all do have biases. I naturally have a bias against megachurch. I just do. So when I hear anything about megachurch, my my initial reaction usually is kind of a negative. Well, of course, that's what happened when Bill Hobbs. And you used to have a bias toward the megachurch. Do what? Yeah, for and, it. And in no time I, did you have a neutral point of view. <laughs> right, 100%. <laughs> that, that's what's funny. And, and I'm just one person. So that right. means it, it, everybody does. So you have to start there. One, one thing here, I, I mean, that is is frustrating is, the idea of how easily we do get very tribal and mm. I mean it is evolutionary, I guess, or or tribal or manipulated in a group situation to go, wait a minute, that I mean, this is the good person. We do it in all all walks of life. Your favorite football player, you don't want to think he did something bad. Right. You know what I mean? You want to give him the you want to give all these people the benefit of the doubt. And it's one of the, the things that if we've done preaching on the Bad Christian Podcast says don't give people the benefit of the doubt. And that's actually honoring them and being a real person and tr- like if people wouldn't have given Bill Hybels the benefit of the doubt, he'd be better off for it. The church would be better off for it. Even if it wasn't as big, it would be better. Like in the name of corporate corporation and getting bigger and growth statistics and numbers, Bill Hybel, who, who can Bill Hybel tell when all of a sudden another thousand people show up and another thousand people, another thousand people. And he's like, man, I sure do just like, you know, I, I, I feel like I want to cheat on my wife. I don't love her anymore. Or I feel like, oh man, I got caught doing this thing. I better hide it or whatever it might be. And we don't even know the whole story. Even right now, you're never going to know the whole story. Most likely yeah, from Bill Hybels, right. who apparently is one of the most influential Christians ever in American history, and we're never going to even know the whole story, but you, you know everything else, all the good stuff about God. That's what bothers me is even now it's hidden. Everybody cares about the person to the left and right of them, not the person above or wherever God is. Yeah. And that's what's really frustrating. No, that is weird. You're right. You're not going to really know the answer, but to blindly defend something is weird. There's a book I'm reading about rationality itself, which is a lot of the ways that I think, and I don't think anybody would like it, but if you're curious, the book's called Rationality by Eliezer Yudkowsky. But, um, but he put he says in there, and it said many times, I think it's his quote, but he says, anything that can be destroyed, any idea or thought that could be destroyed by the truth should be, is the idea. So a lot of these types of thinkings that we do that are really biased are just like, there may be a truth, but if there is, I don't want to know. I don't want it to threaten it, so I'm just going to put up this other wall. And that's what a lot of these comments are. And this, this one's really good. It says that I've been going to Willow Creek Church for many years, and Bill has done a lot for the church. When I heard what happened, I was thinking there's no way all of this was true. Bill is an amazing person. He is funny and awesome. So since <laughs> Bill is funny, he, that can't be true, you know. Right. Um, and so, uh, and the, the guy makes a great joke here, which I won't take credit for. This is unfundamentalistblog.com. He says, wait, are we talking about Bill Hybels or Bill Cosby? Oh man! I mean, funniness doesn't get you out of, but, of accusation. Is what is the 100%. point? Now, now imagine this though. Those but it makes that guy feel better say, to say that. Th- those people that are saying that, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I might be generalizing and wrong. 
But that if you take any of those people that wrote those comments, now switch the person from Bill Hybels to uh, Bill Clinton, uh, a, a Democrat senator. Right. Just say he Bill Clinton. Did it. Just keep it as a bill. Yeah. This, this. Bill Clinton did it. He's a terrible person. Yeah. He did this. It's just, it doesn't even, all it matters is are they on your team or not? And it's not really uh, thoughtful uh, uh, taking time to think of mm-hmm. something and look past your bias. I think bias is almost in- inevitable, but you can't even do that. It's just act. That's all it is. One one of the things that worries me in the future is, are we headed, do, do humans, we always ask the question, oh, is there an unforgivable sin or can God forgive you? Are we headed to a time or is it already here where people don't actually believe in redemption? Like, it, it's not possible. But sometimes and they don't. Somebody will go, well, Toby, Toby, you don't believe in redemption. You don't think pastors should get back up there. Yeah, but I believe that they can be turned around. They can be remorseful. Joey, just like when you were talking about slave owners. It doesn't necessarily mean that the slave owner is the worst person in the world, but if they don't look back and go, man, that was terrible, like Matt's dad or whatever, if, if you can look back and go, wait a minute, outside of the situation, man, that was fucked up. That was really bad. I don't care if I uh, you know, clothed and housed them and did all this stuff. Slavery is awful. It's horrific, and I was a part of that. If you can look back on that, then there is a redeeming thing that can happen and change for the future. Mm-hmm. What's done is done, and it will always be horrific. But if we don't, I don't know if people want that. I think people might want either he's totally yeah. innocent or he's totally guilty, and that's it. And and that's just not true. But the way he's we look human, at that like is us. we say, and this is a big flaw. If you want to think about your own thinking, think about it this way: when you want to believe something, you say the following is the little dialogue that goes in your head. You say, "Might it be true? What would it take for me to not believe it? And all I need to continue believing it is the fact that it could be true, right?" Yeah, that's how that's if there's something you think is true, then you're going to hang on to it, even when you're in the state of saying, well, I don't know if it's true, but it definitely could be. So I'm going to keep yeah. on with this view. If there's something you don't want to be true that you're skeptical of, you're saying, I won't believe it until I must believe it. And that's a totally there's a giant gap. It's like believing something one percent if you want to and being skeptical of something ninety nine percent if you don't want to believe it. Like. Yeah. I need it to. If it's something I don't want to believe, like God is not real, I need a hundred percent proof, don't I, to let yep. go of that belief? But if I have something I want to believe in, then I don't know. If I have a small percentage of belief that it could be true, then I don't have to give that belief up. So it's not at all equal. So that's why everybody's on the side they're on. But I found, let's see if y'all like this. Those were individual people making comments, and I got it from some other website. But also, somebody sent me a some clips of Francis Chan talking some nonsense on the matter too. You want to hear? Really? Oh, yeah. This is interesting because he usually is not a nonsense kind of guy. Well, this as it, you know, he's not talking about Bill Hybels here. This might have been a month ago or two or whatever, but he's talking some nonsense along these same lines that I thought was interesting because I, I, I like Francis Chan in a way. Um, let's see if I can play these clips right. Tell me if you can hear them. But he's, Francis Chan's whole thing in this 35-minute video is called Are You Destroying the Church 2018? You can look up the whole video if you want to watch it. Make sure I'm not taking it out of context. But I paid attention to it, and I think I'm going to treat it fairly here. He says... That we are, his premise here is that we are all based on the scripture. I forgot which one it is that says that we are the temple, the, you know, the, that you are God's temple and you can't destroy it. Forgive me, you know, if I, I know I'm bot- botching that, but the thing about us being the temple, he says, and he will strike down and kill those who harm his temple, something like that. Am I yeah. right, Joey? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So based on that scripture, he's saying, and also we know that we are the church. 
We are bricks in this church, in this temple of God's. We yeah. are the temple, and the church is everybody. So his basic thing is talking bad or gossiping or doing anything is tearing down the church with a sledgehammer. So he, that's basically his premise. So don't <laughs> trash talk the church, period. So what did he, what did he want to do about the, uh, the Catholic priesthood? I don't know, but I'm just saying his words don't make sense here. I'm sure if you grilled him, I'm like, oh, well, no, no, but if it's something real, then yeah. you should. I don't, but it, it's definitely the same old message of, well, m- make sure you defend your own first and don't really look into it and dismiss that as gossip and slander and the other. It, it feeds into that whole culture, but here's a couple of clips. Cool. That you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. This is part of the setup. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We talked about what is sacred, (laughs) what is holy. Yeah, which is us, which is our church which is our building, our community, and the other yeah. one. So he, he goes on here. Um, he also says that God, you know, you could sum it up as God will kill you if you criticize the church is the, the gist of all of it. Because it does have strong language about being, you know, struck down, taken down by God. Let's see what he says here at this clip here. I'll move it forward a little bit. If anyone's going to try to destroy God's temple, God says God will destroy him. When God was revealing these things to me, man, I just, I was like, Lord, I am sorry. There are times when I've spoken up and said things too flippantly about other leaders and other churches. We're screwed, when guys. When I compare to what God struck people dead for, I go, God, I am so sorry. The tone of voice is really it's so unbelievable. <laughs> because when I speak against that brother, I'm taking a sledgehammer to the temple. <laughs> Woo! He says that he's surprised that he's not been killed by God. If someone yet. is going to gossip to you and say something negative about someone else in the body, man, it is your job, if you love that person, to warn him. They do put that sledgehammer down. Are you insane? Do you know what's going to happen if you destroy God's temple? I'm going to go a little bit forward here. So, yeah, and he's talking about gossip here, but he he actually name names some people directly in a way that is, he's, you know, and I know a lot of people think this about our podcast, like all y'all do is shit talk stuff. Now, again, I'll make it clear, public figures doing stuff, communicating ideas that I don't think are good, should be criticized publicly also. And also, we take the lightest possible approach, which is make fun of their ass. Just let it be funny. Right. Make fun of me, too. And, and for the record, we want to be criticized right. when we step out of line. And we criticize each other constantly, and it's fine. But there's nothing wrong with discussing. And this, I very much don't think that it's tearing down the church to put some iron sharpens iron on it. It's the best-case scenario. So, uh, you know, anyway, here is him talking about some more people specifically and some other things. I'm a part of the temple they, of God. Just so you know, he's not just talking about shit talking behind Man, people's be backs. Careful he's talking about publicly with our criticizing words. in ways like Man, Bill Hybels and things criticize like that. leaders around our nation. 
and I haven't been quick to confront it, but now it's like, I'm getting serious. Like, are you crazy? Are, are you going to bash Rick Warren? This is a guy that loves the Lord. Yeah, you may not agree with everything he does, but man, I'm telling you, he loves Jesus. Everything I can tell, a supernaturally spirit-filled man. Are you going to attack Mark Driscoll? Are you going to attack John Piper? Are you going to attack Mike Bickle? Are you going to attack some of these expressions in the body of Christ that may look a little... Is he saying don't criticize publicly John Piper and Mark Driscoll? I think yeah. so. Does he ever get to your neighbor? Like, are we not supposed to criticize our neighbors? Because if he doesn't believe that, then this is exactly why we are in so much trouble with leaders doing like, stupid stuff. It just and here's like what I love: thing. Like, like, just, you should feel so guilty if you even talk behind. If you talk to your friend about your don't. Know, I mean, I, that's uh, here's what here's what I here's a side note. It makes me feel so good and warm and fuzzy, fuzzy because. Francis Chan is is on top of my list of people I respect and just think that oh he's so and, and I love the fact that I just heard something from him that reminds me that no one knows what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> I mean seriously, like we we all have our smart moments, we all have things that we do understand and we are able to help other people, but we also all have our moments where it's just like what in the hell are you talking about? Yeah, but I mean, I mean it, but that, he doesn't think that, and it, it's not that, though. Like, he actually is defending. Like, this is a coercion tactic that leaders use. He mentions this person, and that immediately uh, allows you to understand, oh, wait, those guys are on my, on my pastor's team. I'm on my pastor's team. We're on the same team. Mm -hmm. So then how do you question that? Like, it's not as easy as when they're not on your team, you can criticize them, you can do whatever you want, maybe, or, or whatever. He didn't list any non-Christian people not to call out. It's just, all he's saying is... He did say leaders of our church. He's I mean, saying the church is the body yeah. and we are the body. But see, the, thing, right. the, the big but, but thing... I mean, his, point, his point here is to defend people. So he's publicly defending them. But what do you do when somebody does something wrong and they're a public figure? If Rick not even Warren, wrong, if you find out something ideas. bad about him, it does need to come out. Like that's not gossip. That's true. Well, like look at Joey's list of things he does. Like if if Joey, the pastor, is teaching those misogynistic things that he used to teach, would it not be better for somebody who have pointed it out earlier? Yes. Okay. Course. Now, what Francis Chan does here that bothers me, what I think he's got wrong is just an error. I think his heart here is fine. I understand what he's saying. I'm not being. I'm not saying he's defending sexual abusers or anything crazy like yeah. that. But what he's got wrong. Because it's easy to get it wrong if you want to manipulate somebody. He's conflating gossip and destructive stuff with legitimate, healthy criticism of systems, institutions, and public figures. That is not gossip. That's not what the Bible means in gossip. Right. And then stretch it to, t to take a public criticism of a public figure and institution and their ideas and equate that to taking – if you do that, you're taking a sledgehammer to – God and Jesus and their church, and he will strike you dead, as the scriptures say. That's not, that's an error. That's a mistake on his part, is, is the best I could say about that. But it's, it's a dangerous mistake, I think. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with both of y'all to some degree. First of all, I don't think, like what Toby said, I don't think he's like, oh, I got to protect my pastor friends because we're all in this together. I think he sincerely believes. Wait a second, we're in trouble if we start doing this. This is what I believe about God's word and the 
and how holy God is and how holy the church is. Like, I think he really thinks he's onto something. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I forgot what you said, Matt, but I just. Well, just that, that, that gossip. And there's a, tons of evil ways to destroy and be negative and tear stuff down and gossip about people that's horrible, sinful, and wrong. Oh, I remember. That's totally yeah. true. That's yeah, not I, I, criticizing the overall in ministry and techniques and ideas and theologies of DesiringGod.com. That's yeah, not the same thing. I, yeah, I think where Toby, in my opinion, is being a little too harsh, I think you're letting him off the hook way too easily. Like what he is saying I'm just trying to be is, fair, but yeah, it makes me madder is, than I'm acting. What's that? I, I am more for, I'm just trying to be fair-handed because I'm not playing the clip in its entirety. So I'm not trying to yeah. paint. I don't want to be accused of painting him in a bad light. So I'm giving him I mean, I, I, If he I, actually I, cared about gossip, why would you name the most famous people that got talked about? Yeah. I mean, what 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 is that? I mean, if you really care about gossip, then you would talk about gossip or calling out brothers and sisters in Christ. Why would you go to the famous, the most famous Christians and say, man, we got to be watch out for them? Because those gotten, are the people that gotten, everybody know. I did the but same that's what thing. I, no, but that's my point. It's is it just leads you into going, wait a minute, they are the right guys. I'm just lowly me, and here I am maybe talking about these people when they're doing God's work. Right, it puts yeah. you in that mindset, right. and that is bad. That's dangerous. That's real bad, and I don't, I, think, I don't think he un thinks of it that way. I think you're right. Francis Chan thinks of it as uh, the gospel. I want people to know Jesus and to be forgiving and loving. That is his heart is right. But even he is deceived by the idea of, wait a minute, we got to protect the leadership at all costs. Right. E even if, if something's written on a blog, that's not the right way to go about it. There, there, uh, who knows the right way to go about it? How do you get anything out? How do you, if you're in trouble or somebody does something bad to you, somebody rubs your tummy in a hotel room, <laughs> where do you go? <laughs> Where, who do you go to? You can't go to Francis Chan. Hey, I, or, you know, you know what I mean. Like, what? And here's what's crazy: How many times do people that get uh, uh, hurt or affected or molested or whatever go to somebody like a pa a pastor and their friends, and it gets covered up? Yeah, that, well, he's funny. He has time. a good heart. I mean, whatever. He says a little bit more a time here. Where the world out there, everyone wants to say the loudest thing possible with the fewest words did. possible, right? Yeah. We want to tweet. Hey, the hey most pause outright. it real quick. Pause it real quick. I want everybody to imagine Francis Chan at a fire at, and it's night and he's got a flashlight shining up against his face. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah, I'm going to listen to this things. one so I can go to sleep. We want to exaggerate and we want to tear down, you know, the strongest person we know. Like, that's just what we do in the world. But what if the church was different? What strongest person I know are these pastors. I mean, that's kind of true that, of course, it's like, that is a problem. Know, he's, being, he's recognizing the problem correctly that we do go after, everybody goes after everybody all the time. And that's a little that's bit right. of a sickness, but I don't see how you can separate the church from it here. And hey, we'll see what he says. But we live in a time of such arrogance that John would go, I don't care. I think you guys are all wrong. It doesn't matter that the godliest men got together and sought after the Lord. And anyway, I found that I found that interesting. Somebody sent it to me, and he's not talking about Bill Hybels here, but you know, we're, this is the big scandal. It's not. It's not all you, you, gay prostitutes and meth for for pastors. The 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 issue we're having is like, man, we understand power dynamics and abuse of power, and we're still on the the leading edge of finding these abuses of power of being real problems in the church. But I think this kind of coaches people back into don't question the power is the problem. Yeah. yeah which I mean, which is the Bill Hybels thing of, and everything I else. can think yeah. of biblical, I mean, standing ovations for those Chan, guys, all that how, stuff. How Francis Chan reads the Bible, like 
which is like an, an inerrant sort of approach. I mean, like Paul said two people's names and said that we have to hand them over to Satan. You have Paul rebuking Peter in front of everybody. And honestly, like Jesus's response to people that tried that killed the head of the church was father forgive them. I mean, I just, gosh, it really is crazy how I listen to all this and I'm like, that's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo that is just not true. Wow. But I think is, I, I think his heart's in the right place. And I, and here's, and I, and I let us off the hook a lot too, you know, because I agree with you. I, I don't like just this bandwagon of tearing everybody down. But when I think about the stuff that we've said about Perry Noble, for instance, we're we're frustrated about the situation, but we're not like, man, that guy's just despicable. I can't right, stand him. Not. Like the church would be better off if he died or anything like that. It's this system is messing people up. Like, how can we not see the fact that part of the problem here is what people are doing and putting people in these positions and they're gladly accepting. Like the three of us have said multiple times, Perry Noble, yeah, super cool guy. Like him. I yeah, hope he does well to. in life. Well, yes. 100%. I mean, I'm a fan of uh, uh, who were we just listening to? Francis Chan. <laughs> Francis, Francis Chan. Chan. I'm a fran. I'm a fran. A fan of uh, Francis Chan. <laughs> but here is the problem. This is Fran Club. That bothers me is you can't ask any questions during that moment. You can't go, yeah, but what if, uh, <laughs> what, what if, what if old Rick Warren did something bad? Then he could at least answer it. You can't even do that. So if you have these questions, even during his sermon, you can't question it. Yeah. Even when you're learning about gossip and all this stuff. And if I'm smashing a temple with a sledgehammer, these people are putting in bricks that aren't holy. That's not a holy brick you're replacing it with or trying to hold on to or keep. Just because you smash bricks doesn't mean you're destroying the temple. It might be a weak spot that you need a fresh brick for, a fresh mm-hmm. thought for, or something like that. Like, it's just, I cannot stand that I have to always agree with the team or else I'm literally sledgehammering Christ. <laughs> if I disagree that, hey, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's not give Bill Hybels the benefit of the doubt. What if we had a brick that didn't give pastors the benefit of the doubt? Well, maybe you maybe could get celebrity to for him. a pastor could be bad. Let me let me throw the craziest brick in the whole world in the, to the temple. Celebrity pastors could be a bad thing. <laughs> sledgehammer, I might Toby. Be wrong. Toby, I might sledgehammer. Be wrong. Put the sledgehammer away. Well, you, the look, sl- maybe you can get an inside track where you can ask him those questions. But for that, you would have to join his Patreon and be part of his friend club. <laughs> uh. Oh my gosh, that is fun! Hey, on this show from now on, once he makes some, me frantic, <laughs> when someone starts criticizing a leader in the church, I want us to say sledgehammer, sle- be careful. Don't be a sledgehammer, <laughs> yeah. Um, and mean, have he, we ever said don't attack bad Christian? <laughs> yeah, really. there's, there's people, there's haters, there's people that attack bad Christian. Don't do it because we're. I You'd mean, once you do that, you're going against God. Yeah, yeah. You're going convenient. against God if you question a man. I don't care yeah. what position he's in. That's not that it. Ah, uh, well, I, I'm surprised that he hasn't opened up a whole bunch of, uh, you know, satellite mega. Well, let's see, satellite mega. No franchises. He should have opened a oh, bunch yeah. of franchises <laughs> of churches. Well, he actually he does have to. a very, very uh, neat house yeah, church. Network he really does. Also. That's what I'm saying. He's great. He's a great guy. This is just whatever, and that's what I'm saying. This is just whatever. It's just some sermon and thoughts that he yeah. had. 
And so it, it reminds be me of Joey's easily pre-marital. able to be questioned. Yeah, but here's here's the thing, and I don't, I'm not an expert fan, but I mean, pastors don't have any training. They're like, can I get an insight? Can I convey it? Can I brand it? If so, good. And that's kind of what Joey was doing in the marriage counseling. If I'm going to tie that up, we'll move on and get out of here. But it's yeah. just you were you had an impulse, you had what you felt was an insight, and then you felt that the spirit had led you or justified or the system has justified you as a person in yeah. authority who's now had an insight to lay it on other people with authority. That's what, right. like, this isn't reasonable insight. He probably was, like, feeling real bad about seeing a bunch of negative, horrible criticism yeah. of people on the Internet, and he reacted to it. And he's like, that's not right. And he's right, right. it's not right. And he had this insight, and then now he's built a biblical case and communicated through his platform and made all these strong stances. But it's not like he did a bunch of research on it. He just had an impulse six days ago, and now he's pr- speaking with the authority to tell, you know, he's overreaching the right. authority there. And I think that's probably, tell me if I'm wrong, Joey, what you, similar thing to you and your old ways of marriage counseling. Like, yep, that sounds right to me. Now I'm going to lay it on these people for the family. Like it's a, almost a whim for you. Like that yeah, sounds but, right. But that seems I, ironically, and then you, ironically boom. at the time, I, I did not see it as a whim. I saw it I as, no, this is, this is, uh, very logical, correct way of yeah. interpreting, but God's it just word. seemed right to you, and you are you, and you have authority. So, yeah, my way's yeah. the way. And then, I, I, you, and the other people receive you as a, not as a business colleague or a peer or a senior ranking official in your company, but as spiritual authority granted yeah. by God to speak into their life. That's what's dangerous about it. Yeah. I feel bad because I really do like Francis Chan. I'd like to have him on the show and would love if we were friends, but now I feel like we're frenemies. Yeah, you're more like frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I couldn't let you get the last dad joke in, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was like, wait, Matt just made one of the franchise. I really thought that was a pretty good dad joke. I was like, I got to at least say something. So that's what hey, I Hey, well, uh, a lot of you guys support us by going to, uh, by joining the BC Club. And uh-huh. there's a website you can go to, thebcclub.com. I actually threw out, and I want to ask you guys a question, Toby and Matt. I threw out a survey on Facebook. I did that survey. It was a terrible survey. Oh, I know. I know it was. Uh, I'll get better at them. But okay. I, I, this is crazy. So the first question was, if you could eat one food group for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Uh, one of them was head and shoulders uh, above and beyond more than the other ones. But you guys would both pick what? Meat. Okay. Um, and then who's the most legendary Screamo band out of these? I had Silver, Silverstein, August Burns Red, Steam. Under Oath, and Emery. Y'all think Emery? Okay, cool. Uh, last one. Here's the most surprising is that one of them came head and shoulders way more than the other. And I thought they were all comparable as far as disgust is concerned. But if you had to eat one of these, what oh, would yeah. it be? A living medium-sized snake, a quart of scabs, some of them still bloody, a stranger's vomit, or the stomach of a full buzzard. Which one would you guys choose? Did you come up live, with those? live snake. Is that huh? in the youth minister's handbook of party icebreakers? <laughs> if you join the BC Club, you're going to get youth minister quizzes. But that's pretty Holes. disgusting. Where did you come up with a buzzard's full stomach? That's kind of crazy. I just uh, that's from Joey's the next one, brain. The next one, no, do, at least do, uh, you got to do Bible trivia. This whole trivia idea on the is dumb, one. but that is a pretty creative. Uh, gross thing. <laughs> I, well, well. Anyway, we'll. Uh, <laughs> we had 184 people do this survey. Oh God! Hey, hey, check this out. 450 people associated with this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Seven around seven or 800 people are in the club. 
450 people, which is more than half, visited this survey, but only 184 <laughs> completed it. People were like, what the fuck is this? Anytime that you see a social media post, it's probably Joey anyway because he is about oh, the one that tweets or yeah. does stuff like that. But especially if you find it weird or fucked up, I assure you it's Joey. It is not it Toby. It is not me. It's just if it's weird Bizarre, or goofy. If you don't or understand what you're reading, you go, oh, yeah. Joey. I mean, you know, it's not me. Right. I mean, oh, goodness gracious. But yeah, we have a pretty cool community out there on Facebook as well as extra episodes. And But you can go to bcclub.com and check out more details because some, some folks get t-shirts sent to them in the mail and other merch all kinds and of stuff. digital gifts and all that. So thank y'all very hey, much hey, for like supporting to, and, us. And once again, I, li- I well, they send in their biggest sins. So I have a list of the biggest sins when you read the names. Okay, um... These are the yeah, and I'm surprised they do this. I'm surprised they cooperate. But uh, no, no, yeah, John awesome. Grant uh, likes watching animals go poo. All right, Bronwyn Cole uh, highlights every line in the Bible with different highlighter colors and says how important each verse is to her walk. Okay, I don't know why that's a sin. Yeah, Michael Lie, what? Mike, Michael Lie, L Y. He holds his pee for sexual pleasure. Oh no, An- Anthony James Brandy. Calls his penis a wee wee, and obviously it should be a goober. Amy Mills. That's what holds in her with. sneezes and just makes a wheep noise, uh, and then breathes out nasally. Okay, and then am I missing a joke here? The last person is one word, and it's spelled M I D D A U G H. I would just say Mido Mido. Okay, cool. All uh, I don't even know who it is, but I know they're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Always talks about how mango and cinnamon are the best beer flavors. <laughs> but that's wrong. Any of those fruity beers is wrong. Don't bring them. If you bring a gift of a six pack, those are sins. To Emory's bus, please don't make it pumpkin flavored. Uh-huh. Uh, what is it going to be? A pumpkin stout with oh, yes, whatever. Don't bring beer pumpkin stouts. They'll just take a regular pale just, ale or yeah, IPA just don't. or lager. It's, it's, Something that I can drink. It's worse than a poll by Joey Svensson. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Bad Christian Pod. See y'all. What's up, guys? Devin here. I am excited because Emory just announced a brand new summer tour early June. We're hitting the West Coast, and here's the awesome part about it. We are going with the band 68. It's going to be rad. I tell you what, we're excited. We're going to be out there in June. Go to emorymusic.com, get all the information you need, and tickets are available right now. It's going to be tight.